Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, the word is out. Talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. From masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, There's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice, cause we already Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Films Narcitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 614, because you demanded it, or because who demanded it? Uh, <laughs> it's the return of deep fried tacos, and if there's one thing we know about deep fried tacos, they do come back on you. Every time. Every time. Never fails. <laughs> it's a, one, one way or another. I believe yes. this is our... <laughs> This is our sixth is it? special. I'm running out of movies there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Tom and I had a discussion offline where I just, he was like, it's hard to it's hard to find one. I was like, man, I'm a horror fan. This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Kevin's like, let's do a deep fried tackle, I'm like, oh, I gotta go find one. It's no, hard. it's more like Tom has his monocle and top hat on. And he's like, oh, I only like the finest in film, and so it's so hard to find one that is considered a deep fried taco. And I don't even like the finest in film a lot of times. <laughs> You've se- we've all seen so many movies. Like I'm sure that if you really think about it, though, you'll always be able to come up with something. This one, I will say, this one was a tough one. Like I had like five or six lined up. I was like, I don't know. They're all terrible. What am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, before we uh, get too far into this, let's go around the virtual table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Uh, while you're there, be sure and uh, review so we uh, people that come along behind you might, uh, might find that they like it. And of course, subscribe so you never miss an episode. It'll just show up... Uh, it will go old school. It'll show up like magic in your music rectangle box. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Tom loves to put it in your box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy Joe will put it in your box. That's right. That's as long right. as we're going old school. 
Are there, uh, is there anyone left who even gets that? That's so I honestly long, long don't ago. know. <laughs> Creeperoo. Yeah. Creeperoo. <laughs> that <laughs> pops up on my Facebook memories every year. <laughs> like a little Joey in the pouch. <laughs> <laughs> Librarian Cynthia probably gets it. That's, That's probably true. Probably yeah. yeah. It, so. Disneyland Matt is just sitting back like, ha ha. <laughs> you know where that guy's at. I will never acknowledge that I got that joke. <laughs> you can also uh, find us on your social medias at uh, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and you help us out, and we greatly appreciate it. So there's all that. Who would like to go first in the realm of the deep fried taco? Do we go youngest to oldest or oldest to youngest? <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> oldest to youngest, uh, who's the oldest here? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember either because I'm so old. <laughs> I'm right in the middle, so I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I go second no matter what. I go first. I don't care. And Kevin's just trying to delay it, wait for his pain meds to kick in. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, do I have to talk? I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, he's not in pain or anything. He's just a junkie. Yeah, just oh, <laughs> right, right. We, we've been keeping this under wraps for 600 episodes. Yes. But, it's yeah. amazing how efficient I've been at producing the show for seven years. Because you're on well, speed. You, 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 <laughs> right, yeah. You, you get your high right before the show, then you're super efficient, and yeah. then it's a collapse afterwards. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll go first. Uh, so, uh, I opted for the poorly reviewed, although I will say there are some people that have a great deal of love for this movie, but I went with uh, Speed Racer. The 2008. Oh, Dan has brought that up before. Yeah, I think he's brought it up, but it was never a deep fried taco. I don't believe. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I went with Speed Racer 2008, the last movie credited to the Wachowski brothers. And uh, did I say that right? I always say that. I was. It's the, I it's always, the Wachowski brothers. I always, no, that one was. No, I'm just, the actual name is what oh. I'm trying to <laughs> I think it's Wachowski. Okay. I, I you know, it's the South County in me. I always want. Is it like Warchowski? You know how people <laughs> yeah. around here wash Add their extra cars? R's for yeah. no reason. I'm just like <laughs> take a drink of water. And yeah, then, uh, and so um, party far. Wash your clothes exactly. <laughs> but I like. I think this movie's a blast. I watched it again yesterday, and, uh, and the the highest compliment I think I can pay to a film. I barely messed with my phone at all <laughs> now how many levels of bubble witch saga did you get through that's the oh the i've test. moved on i do best fiends now well oh. i mean i won't you don't, I don't even know what that is you don't have to admit your level total but how many levels did you get through during the movie there's the gauge <laughs> oh i don't even know like i i i don't even i don't even track that way i'm on like 1680 or something on best <laughs> so fiends. many levels he doesn't even know yeah, <laughs> yeah. i got sucked into best fiends because on the other podcast they paid us to talk about it and uh <laughs> it's, it's so it worked and they were like please complete at least 15 levels a week and i'm like okay <laughs> and, uh, sure. he's like have you okay. seen my bubble witch saga yeah i'll tell you I'm i'll do like, that sheet. in an hour <laughs> yeah i'm like have you ever seen how long i poop so, uh, well, I will um, say, Tom, you've got some com. Is there this may be a conflict of interest? Are you still advertising for them? We are not. You're not okay because not. this show now has ads for Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> we do, do we really? We do. We've hit the big leagues. Yes. If you, wow. Uh, if, I mean, if you're, I think they. No matter how you listen to it, if you listen to this show streaming on the Acast app, you'll actually get a pop up and it will say Candy Crush Saga. Click here to download. And if you listen on your regular podcatcher, they still insert the audio, you know, randomly based on your targeting or whatnot. So yeah, we actually have Candy Crush Saga as a sponsor. It's pretty cool. Look out! Uh, interesting. 
So uh, I did. I did play that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I played that for a while. Yeah. For a while, yeah. But yeah. So best. Well, and then but the, here's the well, this was the real kicker. Best Fiends gave us uh, like like a hundred dollars in game credit. So like <laughs> we had like the unlimited lives and the VIP level where you can spin Woo. the wheel for extra stuff without watching commercials and stuff. So we had that for like four months is how long it lasts. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> Mr. Saga, if you're listening, you better step it up. I didn't yeah. get any Candy Crush credits, so... <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any Candy Crush credits, and, and since ACAS is uncertain, I also didn't get any of the money, so go play Best Fiends. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently our ACAS numbers have just dropped off the face of the planet. Well, <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly fair, um, I do get the ACAS money, and, there's, and I still don't have any money, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, like that's borderline fraudulent. <laughs> but you're not paying to. We don't. No, pay it, it, it. Yeah, yeah, it's so. nice. So just so, so it, if it you all, want it to all know works with out. the ads, yeah. it's like, yeah, we're not getting rich over here, but at least it helps with hosting, and we get a few bucks to put into the coffers. Yeah. So the people that support us on Patreon, like that's the biggest thing you can do to support yeah. the show. Um, other than if you totally. want to just uh, Patreon is a new thing where you can donate, but rather than do that, I mean, if you become a member, then it's just like five bucks or more whatever you want to chip in a month and then you get uh email alerts you get like the first alerts when a new episode goes live uh anything that's posted discussion wise for patreon only members is there and then of course when we drop the bonus content you'll be notified and you can listen to that exclusive i'm gonna stuff. i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make an announcement right now if you go to the set like if you donate seven dollars mm-hmm. anybody that donates seven dollars i will personally mail you a comic book from my collection Oh, I like it's going to be completely okay. random. I, like I don't know what it will be, but I will. I will personally, if if you if we when we look at these numbers, if there's people that have donated up to seven dollars, anybody that's at seven dollars, I will personally pull out a random comic, bagged and bored, mind you, because I'm that kind of person. Uh, of course, yeah, of course, you're not a creep. <laughs> oh, right, and I will I will personally <laughs> mail that to you. Wow, I like it. Okay, well there yeah. you go. For eight dollars, he'll send you an issue of Cherry Pop Tart. <laughs> yes, I will. Used or unused? <laughs> we'll see. Like I said, it'll be completely random. <laughs> There's no such thing as an unused <laughs> issue of Cherry Pop Tart. No such thing. Anyway, Speed Racer. Remember when yes, we were talking right, about that? Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, this movie's a lot of fun. And as someone who grew up watching the cartoon, that cartoon was probably long gone by the time you guys were. I, I mean, got it in reruns for sure. I watched it. Yeah, you're a nerd, so you probably yeah. saw it. But I mean, but not in the same way. Like I don't think. You know what I mean? Like that. You also got to remember when I was growing up. Like we didn't have Cartoon Network, and <laughs> <Sure>. so. <laughs> And so, like, you had Saturday morning cartoons, and then, and at least locally, they would show Speed Racer on in the summer on weekdays at like noon. Mm. It was weird. They would show like, like, like old time sitcoms, and then like, and then movies. But at noon, they would show Speed Racer, and then when, and then at twelve thirty, because they would want that whole hour to be a, something for kids, right? At twelve thirty, they would show Johnny Quest. So that's. That's, that's pretty kind of money. That's pretty sweet yeah. to roll Speed Racer into Johnny Quest. Like I think you got. I think me. I'm right in the middle because I like I'm of the like I'm in the same boat where I definitely had Saturday morning cartoons and that was it. Except for after school, they would show like right. three thirty to five or four thirty. They would show cartoons. They there. started that that cartoon block. Yes, like yeah. was it the was Fox? It was Fox had one. Uh, like the Fox yeah, channel. Block well, for I guess whatever channel eleven would have been. Well, Channel Eleven was independent, right. but it, it was at the time. But it was, um, uh, but it was, but the cartoons were made by Fox. Yes, yes, or the WB. You're talking the about the WB, and the WB yeah. started it too. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, yeah I remember it, my but, big, my big one is Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, I was also in that era where there wasn't because I found Cartoon Network when I went as a. Uh, like 12 or 13 years old went down to Disney World with my grandparents and Florida their cable company had Cartoon Network ah. but you couldn't get Cartoon Network here in St. Louis like it was a, it was just rolling out and only certain companies had it so i remember it was so great discovering it and i watched all those you know old shows and the new originals and then i remember i went back one more time and was excited to watch cartoon network it was still not available here and then eventually it rolled out but so i saw that at the very beginning but i started yeah. out watching the saturday morning cartoons and the big one was um abc did like abc disney did the one saturday morning do you remember that joe i do yeah they had yep. that theme song that like one mm-hmm. saturday morning and they had re- ABC recess had, was the only place that had looney tunes at that point. okay so they had like recess was an original uh abc okay w- so that's a little bit after my time <laughs> okay <laughs> like gi joe and he-man and Matt, ninja turtles and stuff like that like that was and when i was a kid uh, uh looney tunes was on uh was on cbs oh maybe it was cbs because they did like an hour. They had like an hour of cartoons. Yeah. So maybe it was CBS. But yes. Like there it's just interesting like we've just got like three completely different generations of Saturday morning cartoons. Totally. Well, yeah, and when I was a kid, you didn't even have the the afternoon block. Afternoon was all sitcoms, so you'd come home and it'd be Barney oh, Miller okay. and Mash okay. and stuff like that. So um so like you literally you had Saturday morning. That was it. And so and then in the summer like I said they would drop in these at, at noon, but uh, but so Speed Racer was, I mean, that was great. That's, a, I mean, it's not great. Like I realize now <laughs> it's not great, but at the time it was pretty great. It's like and a deep so fried taco I really, cartoon. I mean, yeah, exactly. So it stands to reason that the, that the movie would be the same because I, I, th- I think the Wachowskis who honestly, like, I'm not a big fan of Mm-mm. theirs. Like same. I, like, I don't care for the matrix. Like I don't, it didn't, it did nothing for me. I think beyond this, the only other movies of theirs that I actually liked was Bound. V for Vendetta. And, uh, v for Vendetta. I guess because oh, it was man, that's a tough one. I don't it, like. It strayed so far from the comic yeah. that I w- had trouble. Like I was just like, but this isn't what it's supposed mm. to be doing right, right now. So it's like that frustrating. That's me not a lot, them though. That's they produced that. They didn't oh, they, direct. That. Okay, they produced yeah. it. I knew that they were involved. They with were the, definitely involved. You're right. Yeah. I, but there were a lot of rumors though that 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 guy that. They, they were the ones that that, that guy didn't really. Yeah, I don't doubt that, was, that for a second. <laughs> that it was kind of a poltergeist yeah. thing. So, um, but uh, so yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan, but I like Bound and I like this a lot. And I I feel like they did such a great job of adapting the 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 cartoon that where it wasn't like it wasn't uh just uh beholden to it. Like it 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 insert like. Speed Racer had this weird kind of uh, cadence to the speaking mm-hmm. when they dubbed it into English, and so there was a lot of like you know weird grunts and uh, ah, <laughs> and like they, and it would be weird to see them really do that. But like you get just a touch of it to where you you know that like they know it's there and they incorporate it, but they don't make it weird. And this movie's beautiful. Like, it's a you great can, looking movie. You can, You're absolutely right. You can pause this movie at almost any point, and it will look. Like a panel from a comic mm-hmm. book, and and I mean that as a compliment, not as in an Ang Lee's <laughs> Hulk kind of way. I think I remember seeing this on the big screen, 
and it was one of the very first movies that I saw. We have a theater down near our city, uh, and the big deal was when it opened, they had the mega screen. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have any real IMAX here in St. Louis. We have like the little mini IMAX. But before we even got an IMAX in St. Louis, they built this huge screen and called it the mega screen. And I saw Phantom of the Opera. And when the bass dropped from that opening song, you know, it shook the seats in the auditorium. I saw Beauty and the Beast when they re-released that in theaters on the huge screen when it was amazing looking and i saw speed racer and like those are three movies that like experiences i remember because i was seeing it on such a large screen with the audio and everything and i was blown away by the visuals seeing it uh you know i mean on this imagine an imax like screen it's not as big as the well real we were supposed IMAX. to have an imax right we were supposed to get, get an imax like in september and then COVID happened well, well, yeah. and back then, and this is going back over a decade, but that mega screen was supposed to be an IMAX, oh, and they okay. cheaped out, and they didn't build it to specifications or didn't pay for the IMAX, whatever you know happened. But um, it was supposed to, when it was being built, be an IMAX, and then it just was a mega screen. But still, huge screens, huge sound. This auditorium was like a six hundred seat or whatever, really big theater. And uh, yeah, it was an, it was a great experience. And going into it and seeing those visuals, you know, sitting in the middle of the theater and the screen is like your entire view. Um, and I remember thinking that they perfectly it was a perfect adaptation. Like I had watched those cartoons, you know, when I saw them in reruns. And there's very few filmmakers that have been able to translate uh, a cartoon to the big screen and this is one that really nailed it uh and and when it comes to comics and stuff like i think of sin city and mm -hmm. i really like 300 i 300 and, and i like yeah. watch i'm a fan of watchmen and like and speed racers up there with being able to adapt the source material and not losing anything going to live action yeah and they filmed it uh in h using hd film and so part of what makes the movie so striking is it's one of the few movies where like the foreground and the background are both crystal clear, mm -hmm. and so and and it, and honestly, I think that makes movie, everything pop. Like that whole movie just pops. yeah, and it looks like anime. It, it looks like live yep. action anime, and but it can also, I think, for a lot of people, it can be a little disorienting because it's just not how you're used to vi your vision operating, and so it can be a little off putting. Because I mean, it's it's they they film the entire thing on green mm -hmm. screen. I mean, for obvious reasons, once you watch it. And uh, and they did it all in sixty days, which Man, seems like really crazy. short. That's fast for for as many uh, just as much as is going on in this movie. But um, but the uh, the the visuals are just stunning, and the the car races are great because they just they have no basis in reality. <laughs> and unlike Fast and Furious, they're not pretending to. And and I, it was funny because Crystal walked in about halfway through, and she and and she doesn't care for the movie, and. She's like, it's in the middle of a car race, although you have about an 80% chance of walking <laughs> sure. into this movie in the middle of a car race. And and she's like, she's like, that's just so like physics don't exist in this world. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, and you just got to buy into right. that, you know, but I'm like, but here's the thing when you're watching those cars and it does like the leap and like it rolls off of another car and it goes down. I was like, so I'm like, here's what you I'm painting with a broad brush of gender stereotypes, so just bear with me, but I grew up in the 70s, so suck it. Uh, I was like, you know, I'm like, that doesn't look like how a car would work, but you know what it does look like? It looks like exactly how, when I was a little boy and I would play with my Hot Wheels, what they would Absolutely. do, right? Like, I'd take them, and they'd loop around, and they. I'm like, that's what it looks like, and and I'm like, and it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, it's also, it's. I mean, it's the Fast and the Furious now. 
Like the Fast and the Furious movies right, do this except, now. Yeah, except they pretend like right, it's exactly. And they also you know, don't like have they, fun. Right. Sometimes, yeah, movies, sometimes they do, and what? then they do four movies and they're not having fun. Oh yeah. well, the main the I'm I'm speaking to Mister Diesel is the oh one sure that, sure sure if, yes, if yes that yes. guy cracks a smile I, I would you know it's, <laughs> it's an yeah. accident yeah it, it <laughs> I the thing that's one of the things that irritates me those movies they around when the Rock came in I mean he really saved that franchise and mm-hmm. created it into this mega you know thing and Vin Diesel was there for the ride and he's a producer whatever you know but. Uh, they started to understand that these are superheroes. They took them from street racers to superheroes, and once they embraced it, they got really fun. But it's like Vin Diesel still cannot let go of that gritty, cool street <laughs> racer thing. And so it's like you're in a movie with superheroes doing insane things, but you're not having any fun because you want to look cool. Zero fun to be had. And, yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> yeah. go together. It's like you need to get on board. I mean, I guess they're almost done. You know, I put that in quotes. You know, for the main uh, yeah. franchise, because you know that that will, and then they'll they'll bring in you know Fast and Furious, the next generation, right. and there'll be a you know Fast and Furious adventure. But then, and, yeah, then Vin Diesel yeah. will get uh, jealous, and he'll have, he'll have to, to return, back, and it'll right. be like, oh, Dom's back, and that will be the big selling point. Right. So anyway, it's like, come on, dude, just have some fun with this franchise that's turned you into a multi, you know, hundred millionaire. Is this is, so? Uh, do you so? We I think Kevin and I both listen to a podcast called Blank Check, mm-hmm. uh, where the premise of that podcast is the the host kind of take on a couple of directors or director and say like, you know, they they make one movie and then a studio gives them a blank check to kind of make them whatever they want. Is this the one? Is this the one that made the check bounce for the Wachowski brother, the Wachowskis? Now I feel like this is the mm. last. Obviously, they they've done Cloud Atlas and they did what was the I the love Channing Cloud Tatum Atlas one. I know that's a divisive film, but you know the they, the book that could never be filmed, and they actually did it. Like it's amazing. Yeah. Cloud Atlas is even. But I feel like this is the one that got them booted from mainstream. Where like before, yeah, they I could would agree. do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I would agree. Like that. Um, this is the one that they they kind of you know it was. Uh, I believe it was their first non R rated movie, so they were mm-hmm. trying to like you know expand their reach. And they definitely made a kids movie. Like there's, you know, there's really there's. I think they say ass twice <gasps> and, and sh- once, and that was it. And other than that, it's it's clean as a whistle. I like it's a good and, saying. Uh, ass twice and sh- once. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's and uh, trademark real spoilers. Um, yeah, there, there's your new t shirt. <laughs> I like that. But um, but yeah. So it, I, but it came out and it and it bombed hard. I think it, it only did, made yeah. like. For, it made like forty million dollars in the states. And speaking of superheroes, I think part of the problem it had is it opened. I think the week after uh, a little indie called Iron oh, Man. Oh well, mm. good. And, and so and the Dark Knight, like those are both kind of back to back, right? Those are both two thousand eight. Well, I can't remember exactly when Dark Knight came out in relation to Iron Man. This this was opening like the same time. Well, as this Iron is Man. like Iron Man. This op- is WB. Opened, I think this so. Came, I mean, they yeah. wouldn't have opened them at the same time, but same year. True. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but I think this came out like the in week two of Iron Man's run, Whoops. and it opened at number three at mm. the box office, which is not what it was well, designed to the do. The problem is, and t- and I also. I, I was gonna say, I also think that one it opened against something that would become a cultural juggernaut and you can never you can never ban- you know predict something like that but also this movie came out like 10 years too late yeah. like the you know Gen X is, is who grew up and really loved Speed Racer and they should have put it out like in in the late 90s when that was when all all 
you know, like you saw the hipsters wearing Speed Racer T-shirts and like like that's when a movie like this should have came out. Now, obviously, this movie wouldn't have looked like this back mm-hmm. then. And they'd been trying to get this movie made for years. Like at one point, Alf- Alfonso Cuaron was di- attached Whoa. to direct it. Yeah, and they probably um, would have had to have uh, done there the were, live action animated hybrid where they like drew in the backgrounds and have you know they would have. Yeah, who knows? I mean, how CG. They would have atta- if you think about like it. Tron looking, it would have been terrible if you know yeah, if they did right. CG for all of it. So I would think that hand drawn would have been a kind of a cool way if they could have done the anime style and put the people in there. Yeah, maybe. I, it would it would have either looked really cool or really ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, there's no in between. Sure. It it would have been hard to figure out a, a way to do it, yeah. you know. And and uh I mean like at one point like Keanu Reeves was offered the role as of Racer, Racer X. X. That's kind of cool. And yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Another time, Henry Rollins, I think, was offered it or close to as it. As Speed and, I mean, Racer. Give me a... Henry Rollins as Speed Racer. <laughs> speed Racer. No, it was Racer X. No, I know, but and I so... want Henry Rollins as Speed Racer. Oh, yeah. gotcha. But so there were lots of, like, they were trying to get this movie off the ground for years, and they and they just couldn't. And I, I think they just ultimately missed their window, because now you go back and look at it, and you're just like, who, like, does anybody really remember Speed Racer? No, like that's under forty five. I think it's weird because I, I there has always kind of been like that where pop culture comes back around, and I think my yeah. era of pop culture is coming back around right now. Um, you know, you'll have like a Thundercats card reboot and uh, right GI Joe and Masters of the Universe. So like all of that stuff. We'll talk me is about back my around. stuff. Uh, uh, right. Animaniacs and um, what are Tiny all? Tunes? Ti- I think is coming all, back. Like all that W, all those WB uh-huh. cartoons that we grew up with. And so it's the '90s. Uh, all the Nickelodeon. You know, they did. Um, what was the movie? Uh, Rocco's Modern Life got a Netflix movie. It did? Yeah, yeah, they came out with a like an actual movie. Oh you know, type of reboot thing. And uh, it's like all those nineties cartoons, which is the era that we grew up in are. And I think the big difference though, is that those are owned by media conglomerates and speed rate. The speed racer IP isn't. So there's not a big giant corporation who's invested in keeping the speed racer IP alive. And, and I mean, there, I mean the people that have it obviously are, but they don't have necessarily the muscle. And so like transformers or, Something like that. Right, yeah. where it's owned by Warner Brothers or Nickelodeon or Disney well, or something like that. They've got to do the Power so, Rangers thing, like Viacom, yeah. whatever. Like they, you know, Saban they, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they Saban teams up with whether it's Nickelodeon or whoever. And, you know, they can. there's a lot of money to be made if they can do it right. Yeah, if, yeah that's a big mm-hmm. if. But, yes, absolutely. Like, um, But I, and I don't know. I almost would l- like to see Speed Racer, like, updated like do it again but with a more adult sensibility not in a dirty way sure. or, but like almost like how you know they brought back cobra kai yeah oh yeah you know? for sure and you know keep the same look and but have just the plot lines be a little bit more more grown up but not Let speed be the uh, the john goodman character <laughs> you know like just have have speed yeah. be the coach of the car and have him be, you know have with with a new racer. well and i I will say um, Emil Hirsch uh, tweeted it in 2018 that there is a script for a sequel. So I mean, <laughs> I'm sure he's like anything for me Man, at this point. Yeah, I mean, totally. This is... But also, like, I don't know how that works at this point because it's like they're they're also getting a little old to bring back the same actors. It's been 12 years, and he's a young, feels like he's a young so dude, though. Emil Hirsch, longer like, than that. 
he I think Emil Hirsch could pull it off. And this movie I was going to say is right. Like Emil Hirsch's career is hot at this point. Like this guy is coming off of. So the girl next door was the big cult hit that mm-hmm. I think people Joe's age and my age oh, yeah. loved that movie. And uh, then he went to Alpha Dog, which is really good. Um, you know, rest in peace, yeah. Anton Yelkin. You know, that that's a really good movie. And then Into the Wild, which, of course, was like the, Into the Wild, like the 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 what's what like awards baby right 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 that's like the yeah, one that yeah, uh, yeah. that was directed by sean penn right mm-hmm. and uh, got all the awards uh nominations and such and uh then speed racers right after that and so he had quite a career going on and uh you know and it's jc bring in once upon a time in hollywood right well this movie is is like a who's who of who mattered 12 years mm-hmm. ago sure right absolutely because like, because you've got emile hirsch's speed racer You've got Christina Ricci as Trixie, um, and and not to say that these actors don't still work or don't still ma- matter, but they were all like having a moment where they were a, looked like they were maybe about to become, you know, a list, you mm-hmm. know, movie stars. Um, but you had uh, uh, what Matthew Fox is is Racer X, and then uh, and then you have uh, Scott Porter who was coming off of Friday Night Lights as. Oh. Young Racer X, spoiler. Uh, um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie who, you know, well, and then this what the, is the U.S. premiere of of, of Rain. So, there, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people in this movie that were look like they were po- posed to be big damn deals yeah. and didn't quite get there. I mean, they're they're still working. They still do good work. But they're not necess- none of them can open a movie. I, I mean, know? the movie is is so competent in pulling off what it sets out to do, and it's a great yeah. adaptation. It's very fun, very exciting. It's it's just it's this perfect translation of the source material, like we said earlier. But the problem it falls into also, it's not just the time period. I don't think where yes, the time it was released plays a huge part, but I also feel like it's kind of in the Star Trek arena, like compared to Star Wars. I mean, oh, sure, this sure. movie, no matter how successful, I think. I think there's only a certain crowd that's going to enjoy that kind of campy, like B movie type. Because like you said, the cartoon is not great at all, but there's a nostalgia if you grew up with it. And it's that camp, that deep fried taco-ness that that we cling on to. But I just don't know if that is always going to translate and elevate into an MCU type, you know, just worldwide four quadrant hit you know i i don't know that it has that potential necessarily and i think the other thing it's got working against it is it's uh is its racing plot line right because it's it it revolves around racing but it does not revolve around nascar Mm. and so cars yeah but uh but it's but it's definitely a much more like america's is NASCAR with cartoon cars. Like right. That, you know, they race in a circle. The sure. Whole, it's a NASCAR parody. Oh, so you're saying just the, the insanity right. of the tracks. Well, yeah, it's just a, not a NASCAR gotcha. style yeah, of gotcha. racing. And so so that crowd, I think, probably looked at it and just went, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, where if it, if it if they felt like it was a NASCAR right. thing or NASCAR adjacent, like cars. I mean, because cars is, they don't call it NASCAR, yeah. but they have NASCAR announcers as parody that's true. Characters yeah, that's true. And, it's just not branded and NASCAR, so, but it is now. Na- right, but it's clearly drive left or whatever. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. But um, but this isn't that, and so I, I think that that probably helped, like, hindered them from a branding standpoint. But anyway, I think Speed Racer is a blast, and if you've got. Uh, if you've got kids and they haven't seen it, I think they'll dig it because it's like watching a video game in a good way, and uh, and 
if you keep an eye out, if you do the voodoo thing, it pops up for five bucks That's like steel. all the time. So, which is I I hadn't watched it in a while, but I owned it because it was five bucks, and I was like, sure thing. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, Speed Racer, good there call, we go. good one. Uh, yeah. so we we in in Tom's little synopsis, we talk about stars that were just on the cusp of breaking out, and in mine, it's very similar, except mine did break out. Uh, from this one so just a, a quick little rundown of my my cast i've got gary sinise uh pat hingle who we know uh as commissioner gordon from the bat the tim burton batman movies uh lance henriksen keith david uh tobin bell but here's where we get into the big two the big two that actually have are still acting today leonardo dicaprio mm-hmm. and russell crowe have we guessed what this movie is yet leonardo dicaprio and russell crowe I can't think of it. All right, I mean, I'll give you the next two. The, the two leads of the movie are Gene oh. Hackman and Sharon Stone. This is fantastic that we haven't gotten this yet. It's directed by Sam yeah. Raimi. I'm, I'm, it's, oh, I'm this blank. is so good. I'm, so I'm going to blame it on the pain meds, but I'm, no, it's, it's so, not clicking. We're talking about <laughs> 1995's The Quick and the Dead. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, it's a my Western, God. right? It is a Western. Yeah. And this is, yeah. like, this is the height of Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone... Uh, is I gotta tell you, never hotter at post this movie, uh, physically and uh, in her career, (laughs) career wise, her career, yeah. Gene Hack, like it's never hotter, never hotter, but (laughs) never hotter. (laughs) Uh, but this is the the like I think this may be like Russell Crowe's coming out party and DiCaprio. Oh, I didn't know he was surprised. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we broke yeah. We're breaking it here on real spoilers. Also, never hotter. <laughs> also, never. I gotta tell you, <laughs> never hotter. Like he, this is like peak Russell Crowe. No, Maximus two thousand. I mean, that's true. He was that's in good fair. shape for Gladiator. That's fair. That's fair. And <laughs> DiCaprio is, uh, you know, he is right. You can tell. You can it, see wait, Romeo he, plus Juliet. This is right around the same. It, this is ninety five. So this is so, right before yeah. it. Okay. Um, and this is also like right. There's like a Western revival hmm. in like the mid nine early to mid nineties, right? So you had like Unforgiven and Tombstone and Wyatt Earp and uh Silverado, Silverado I think is time? like a little bit yeah. before this. Yeah. I think Silverado was kinda like the first yeah. of the of, or at least that was successful. Every once in a while somebody try it like you know, that awful Lone Ranger Ooh, movie bad. from 1980. That's a deep fried time. I have to specify the year because there's so many yeah, awful Lone I've Ranger movies. I've never seen movies, that. But, there, um, there's one that's even reviewed by Real Spoilers in episode yeah. two. Some people... Um, okay, get this. So online, there, <laughs> there's a discourse about that movie. And like, I thought it was universally acknowledged that that movie's a big steam and turd. There are people not? that actually love that Lone Ranger movie. Really? It's Batman Returns I all people over that again. Ch- I think there are people that just like to take the opposite opinion. Yeah. Maybe. And you know what I mean? They just like to be It came over because of Army Hammer and him popping up in the Rebecca uh, adaptation that was on Netflix recently. And then Lone Ranger came up, and I was <laughs> shocked when people said how fun that movie was, and it was so great. I mean, I will never forget sitting in that theater. I think it was that mega screen theater, and all the guys were there. And I remember like turning to Tom, turning to Blake. Joe was behind me in the row. Yep. Like I can, I can visualize all of us sitting there watching that movie. And Dan grunt, you know, yeah. like audibly, you know, but <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, 
We <laughs> talk, I mean, we did talk about bad scenes in, or good scenes in bad movies, and that train explosion is really only the only thing that movie had going for it. Yeah, the last twenty minutes of that movie is, are are pretty and good. Then, yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's getting to those twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, yeah. So it's just I, I think I definitely saw Basic Instinct way too young. Like mm-hmm. caught it on, caught it on <laughs> HBO. Didn't know what it was, but was immediately uh, enthralled with Sharon Stone. Like, <laughs> I wonder I, why. I don't know why. Gee, Beaver uh, Chair. But she, like, she has she kind of found this niche where she was like the erotic thriller go to, mm-hmm. where she was doing like Sliver and uh, Basic Instinct and like all these different uh, like erotic thrillers. So in this one, she's like the man with no name, but she's a woman. And she just kind of walks into town, and this it's this garbage town uh, run by the Gene Hackman, and it's just a, it's a tournament. It's a it's a uh, a showdown tournament where that you you know the the winner gets a bunch of money from Wells Fargo, which they go out of their way to mention in the movie, which I thought was really weird. <laughs> well, it's, like, I mean, it's it really was an old bank like. Wells Fargo, their logo is a wagon because that is one of the yeah. oldest banks. Like in the West, that would have been an actual thing. Oh, sure. So, Which I, mean, made, I just thought it was weird and, that they're like brought to you in part that by was, Wells and, Fargo. Yeah, and the Wells and Wells Fargo was how would also like deliver larger products. So like the mail system would deliver letters, but if you bought something for your home through the Sears catalog TV. or something, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but it was wood. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> It was uh, it was ten p, <laughs> yeah, resolution, <right>. yeah, <laughs> and black Just and white. One. It was yeah. a p, but yeah, <laughs> it was p. But it was, <laughs> but the Wells Fargo wagon. I mean, that they sing about in Music mm-hmm, Man, yeah. right? Like you know, it could be something for someone who is very special, or it could be. Yes, it could be. Yes, you're right. It surely could be something special. Something very, oh, very special uh, just for me. Just for time. Oh, I hope that uh, Hugh Jackman, I hope that uh, thing happens, that revival that he was supposed to star oh, yeah, in. Is he supposed to, right. is he was going to be a music on, on Broadway? Road, or is it going to be a no, Well, I don't know that he would he ever take on, it on the road, but it was supposed to be Broadway. He's too big to yeah. go on the road. That's but, true. With, yeah. but if they record like that, it, but, oh, I would love to see that. Totally. But, um, uh, but so, I mean, Wells Fargo, and it, it fits the time, yeah. right? Like, that's... You know that it, it, it makes sense. It's not shoe. No, totally. Like I just thought it was funny. It would, where I'm just they, they go out of their way to show you the logo and like men call them out by. I name. always wonder with product placements like that, like if if Wells Fargo, because obviously they go to Wells Fargo and we're going to sell it to. You. I don't even know how the pricing structure on something like right. that would work. But like, can Wells Fargo beat them up? If Wells Fargo is like, okay, like we'll pay something, but we're not going to pay that because who else are you going to use? True. Right? There's. What other company that was around it's back not, then that did anything like really, that is still around it's today? It's not an Eminem Reese's situation. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just it, this is it's not very good, but it's fun to look at all of these. Like Russell Crowe uh, plays like a, a retired outlaw who is forced into uh, this this gauntlet match, um, and and basically the story is is that Gene Hackman is this notorious outlaw. Uh, who has killed in the past? He he killed Sharon Stone's father, played by Gary Sinise, who was the marshal of this town. So Sharon Stone kind of pulls a Batman uh, and like leaves the town and and gathers her skills and comes back to her hometown uh, to exact revenge on Gene Hackman. Does she enter the tournament? So she's a three-legged she dog. Kind of, what was that, Kevin? She's a three-legged dog. <laughs> well, she, I gotta tell you, she's looking, looking at, for the yeah, man who shot yeah, her. Right, paw. right. Does she actually <laughs> enter the tournament? She does. 
So, I mean, that would have because, been unusual yeah, the, for a woman. The, in that, that was the right? whole thing yeah. is like she enters it because it's a way to get to Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that that's the end goal is what it turns out to be. Uh, it's just like also it's Sam Raimi, right? Like I the Sam Raimi is kind of notorious for trying to get out of the horror world and break out and do these different yeah. things. But he always is Sam Raimi. I'm so, excited for his Doctor Strange, too. That, that sounds ins- like that's perfect. We talk about marvel getting the right directors as much as i love scott derrickson scott derrickson's great but i mean sam raimi sam raimi on a on a horror movie sort of you know also superhero movies owe sam raimi a debt of gratitude for i agree revitalizing i mean it was clearly blade was first but never Mm -hmm. took off to the levels of then x-men and spider-man those you know and spider-man had the biggest gross we wouldn't be where we are today without sam raimi and toby mcguire uh, I guess Avi Arad. We should, you know. Yeah. I always feel like Those, that guy does kind of get the shaft. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, he oh, was Sam sm- Raimi and Tobey Maguire. Like, well, he, he was smart enough. Produce it. That guy bought the rights. For, you know, when Marvel was in the tank, and he bought the rights, and he was able to d- turn, you know, revitalize that property. And yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, so in this one, you definitely have like the Sam Raimi like zoom in Dutch tilt shots, and there's a little bit of gore, but not much like. Uh, David Keith gets shot in the head and like instead of you seeing uh, like the bullet tear through the back of his skull, you just all of a sudden see like a giant hole in mm. his skull. Like it's it's like a quick shot where all of a sudden Gene Hackman shoots and there's a giant hole in the yeah. back of his skull. <laughs> um, there's there's just some I was as I was watching it, watching Gene Hackman, it's like never hotter. God damn it. But true. <laughs> but also how like he needs to be in your in the top five of all time, like top five modern actors of all time. I don't know how you put Gene Hackman, how you don't put him in that conversation, because I mean I he's don't iconic. I've, I, I don't think, think I've ever seen him be bad. He's a pretty legendary actor, and and I agree. I don't think he always gets his due, like top of mind awareness. But he's up there with the Man, Paul Newmans so and good. the Robert Absolutely. Redfords, and I mean Absolutely. he's he's of he just never had that. Oh, a role that really that's the I, problem you know, that, he's never had the iconic yeah, like role but every role he does he's good but he doesn't have those yeah. you know the hustler butch, and butch and, butch and sunday or, yeah, yeah he does exactly but he's so good and then also it's just like sharon stone is trying something different which i can always appreciate right like maybe she's trying to get out of that erotic thriller uh motif if you will uh so she comes in as like the man with no name in this movie and she's fun to fun to look at and uh like i said she's never she's a gorgeous woman uh in this movie but i don't it, think i've it, ever it, seen this like i own it and yeah, I, i've never I've seen it her. okay yeah. so look don't like okay it's a deep fried taco for a reason but <laughs> it's fun to like see <laughs> see these two like dicaprio and russell crowe like this is kind of where they, this is their coming out party for the most part i don't think cameron crowe not cameron crowe uh, Russell Crowe, I don't think... So we're... F- what year is Gladiator? 2000? 2000. So we're like five years away from that. Okay. I mean, right? I think he came onto the scene with Romper Stomper was his big one. For sure. But I think like this yeah. is this was like mainstream because mm-hmm. it is... I mean, it's sure. Sam Raimi. And, yeah, like Romper Stomper is definitely art house. Yeah. yeah. And DiCaprio, like we said, is, a year, is one year away from mm-hmm. being a, a megastar. So yeah, it's fun. There's a there's a great scene. Spoilers: she wins in the end. Uh, 
where she shoots yeah whatever (laughs) it's not like it's the night of the living dead spoiler that got cut out of an episode uh (laughs) where she shoots gene hackman and you don't see anything except like the light you see gene hackman's shadow and there's just a little tiny pinhole of light that shines through his shadow to let you know that he had been shot Hmm. like through the chest and i was like what a what a cool like what a cool little scene so yeah quick 1995 is quick in the dead uh again don't get your hopes up but <laughs> it's a lot of fun like i don't oversell I was, it joe i well I, you know i, you know, I, yeah, try I know. To. it's just like you i had a I bunch know. of stuff lined up and i watched like five movies almost back to back trying to figure this out well we're, and i was like so i watched cuffs huh i watched cuffs which was a a, a flick with uh christian slater that huh. i remember loving as a kid and then i watched it at 38 and i was like oh this is like couldn't this even meet fun. the criteria it, no not even <laughs> like it I, so i was like out so but so i ended up with the quick and the dead and it's fantastic huh. awesome. i know i've got that on dvd and it's one of those where it's worth ever it's worth it i bought it with silverado and i went you know was buying all these 90s westerns trying to catch up on them and for some reason i guess i just never opened it because that plot doesn't sound familiar at all yeah yeah she comes into a town to 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 beat up gene hackman but ends up getting entered in a in a gunfighter tournament instead sounds cool yeah it's good it's good stuff yeah so i guess that brings us to kevin's uh deep fried taco let's see what the uh cloud of pain meds has <laughs> caused he's gonna be like citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little known movie called uh the, the godfather <laughs> <laughs> part two, because you know it's the sequel. Uh, part three could be one. I could see part three being one. Maybe yeah. you'd have to like it first. Right, but, right. All right, so we'll see that new cut. So my film. Uh, are you too familiar with the director Walter Hill? Yes, I love Walter Hill. Yes. Are you kidding me? Walter Hill's amazing. Walter Hill uh, directed uh, what Forty Eight Hours. Mm-hmm. He directed uh, the Warriors. Um, uh, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. He directed. Uh, Red Heat. Check. He directed uh, Extreme Prejudice. Uh, Walter Hill is great, and Wal- Walter Hill also was. Um, he was somehow involved with the creation of Alien. He gets a, a mm-hmm. producer credit on that. Um, Walter Hill is amazing. He's a very underrated, like, I, very like, fantastic director. Yeah, yeah, like and and uh, a and visionary I know that there's director. Another, there's a there's a big movie uh, like a, a Walt. There's a big Walter Hill movie that I'm blanking on. I know there's one more. Beside, like that, I'm not thinking of, but uh, but Walter Hill, it, like, he makes his movies are like tough guy gritty, yes, but a lot of so. fun. And for some reason, he loves bus crashes. <laughs> He's got a bus yeah. crash in like almost every movie. So 48 hours ends with the the like the the bus thing. Another 48 hours opens <laughs> with Eddie Murphy escaping from prison on a bus that rolls. I believe it's Red Heat has uh, two buses playing chicken, and that's the oh, the okay. uh, Schwarzenegger Belushi, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then uh, an Extreme Prejudice. I think there's a prison b- break based around a bus. The dude loves buses. I don't know what it is, but he builds so many things around buses. So anyway, I'll stop talking. You can talk. No, about No, perfect. So, but oh, yes, I know wait, who Walter Hill I, is. I think I might know what this movie is. <laughs> so I knew Tom would would know Walter Hill for sure, and and yeah, he's 
he's an iconic filmmaker, a visionary. His he has a he has a style that is very distinct and and like Tom said, it's the tough guys and the uh like a modern a lot of his stuff is like modern westerns because the characters carry themselves like a gunslinger type of a character. And oh, so I know what movie you're going with. Can so, I can I can I guess can I guess an no, actor in this let movie? Him. You may not. Okay. So, so okay. So now let me read you the cast. So <laughs> written and directed by Walter Hill. And now here, let me get back to my listing here, is the cast. Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, Willem Dafoe, Bill Paxton, Robert Townsend, and the lead in this film, Michael Pere. And I know that Tom loves Eddie and the Cruisers. Love Eddie and the Cruisers. I even liked Eddie and the Cruisers, too. That's <laughs> right? how much I loved Eddie and the Cruisers. I've met Michael Pere. I went to an autograph show that, like, three people were at. They had more celebrities than <laughs> attendance. And I sat there and talked to Michael Pere for, like, 45 minutes. Because <laughs> there was nobody else there. He didn't care. That's so good. He said that they were actually working on a sequel series for, to Eddie and the Cruisers. Mm. And... Which makes me wonder if they could pull it off after the success of Cobra Kai. At the time, right. I was like, that's adorable. You're so cute. But, you know, and uh, I didn't actually say that to him, but <laughs> yes. because he's still he's still in great shape. And he's right, still you know, kind of like, that tough guy, you know. Yeah, but he was super nice. But yeah. he was he said it was going to be about like his daughter mm. and like he like reconnects with a long lost daughter and she's trying to break in the music mm. industry. And it's about them on a road trip. And, you know, and but. Now with the success of Cobra Kai, I'm like, man, if I was CW, because he said that's who they were pitching it to, I'd be all yeah, over for that. Sure. You know, absolutely. So this film is it's it has such a distinct style, and it's that total Walter Hill tough guy. But it's unlike his other films. It's so stylized. This film is a film that takes place in like an indistinct you know, nondescript time period. It's, 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 it's billed as a rock and roll fantasy. It's like kind of does the star Wars thing where it's like in another time and another place. And so, but there's a scene with a bus, right? And there is a bus in the movie. Okay. Um, Buses, Walter Hill and buses. (laughs) It has to have a bus. It's in his contract. So it's, it's so interesting. And this film is a little film that I absolutely love and had to bring up because there was another podcast. Binge movies had, um, uh, had uh, David Rosen on from Piecing It Together Pod, and they were not too kind to this movie. And I felt that as I thought about it more, I love this movie and never really thought of it as a deep fried taco. And I think for the time period, people were pretty okay with it. But I think I think it kind of falls into this category. So I decided to come to its defense. And it's a little 80s action movie called Streets of Fire. Mm-hmm. And it is an absolute blast. It's 80s action. It has the, uh, the tough guy action hero, you know, cheesy lines, like a almost like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type line deliveries at times. You know, it, it, not necessarily after a kill, but, you know, just those cheesy action sayings, um, over the top action. But it's so interesting the way it looks because like i said it's this nondescript time period uh but it's all set like in the 50s like 50s style where there's motorcycle gangs yeah it's leather jackets it's like the future but it's like a yeah it's like the futures but it has like a 50s aesthetic to it yes and uh it's like but it's also kind of like yeah 
Yeah, and it's also, but it also kind of felt a little bit like Escape from New York, and that it's this weird kind of dystopian world in which they live in. Exactly. But then it's also a musical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was gonna say it's it's like a dystopian movie, but the future kind of Mad Max ish too, where it's like the future is everyone is in this right. stuck in this fifties era with the greaser hair and the motorcycle gangs and all that. So this film is completely filmed. Think of Batman eighty nine. So yep. they did it all on soundstage, like outdoor. They built an entire city with. Which uh, is supposed to be like Chicago, which, you know, very similar to a New York look. So think of like a 50s era New York, Chicago style. But they did it. They built the entire thing, all the businesses, all the, you know, all the exteriors and all that. And then what they did was they built a $1.2 million tarp <laughs> over the top of it. Because it's, 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 the whole movie's at night, right? Like, well, yeah, most of it is at most night. So, so yeah, they, yeah. they built a one point two million dollar tarp, which proved to show off all that neon. There's so much neon. <laughs> yes, in this but movie. that's what I remember. Yeah, well, <laughs> and so it's interesting. Walter Hill, when he was so he was making Forty Eight Hours, and he this is basically his blank check movie. So mm, while they were right. making Forty Eight Hours, and they were so happy with that, this was the time where they developed this script. Uh, it was him and his uh, the fellow writer on this film. Let me. I just Larry Gross was the and he's gone on to do a bunch of stuff that you would know like he did um um oh what was his other big one besides 48 hours he worked on something else and I'm blanking Larry out Gross on did it. Yeah he he wrote something else or developed something else but they were working on 48 hours and so they basically had a blank check and they came up with this idea that was so interesting the way that they wanted it to be this you know, Western, but neon dystopian, totally original. And then Walter Hill also envisioned it as a musical. And so it's not a musical, like singing wise, the characters don't bust into song, but there are musical performances all over the place. So, uh, Diane Lane, 18-year-old Diane Lane is cast in this role and yeah. she she just totally takes over this persona of Ellen Aim. So Ellen Aim and the Attackers is her band and and she comes out in I think one of the greatest opening scenes of all time. It's my number one favorite opening uh and just starts singing this awesome song and she owns it. Like you would think that she is a rock star in this movie. And during this opening scene, it cuts to all this different madness going on and so you see people going to the concert you see uh the main characters um it's actually uh the main character played by michael Perret. uh his uh sister is like uh works in a diner and like she's closing down that place and going to the concert and then you see willem dafoe is the leader of this motorcycle gang and he is getting ready to kidnap Ellen Aim. And so all this stuff is cutting back and forth and she does this great opening scene and Willem Dafoe and his biker gang comes out of the shadows and gets closer and closer to the stage and the light, the way the thing they do with lighting is so cool. All you see is their silhouettes and as they zoom in and get closer to Willem Dafoe, the light like goes from dark to light onto his yeah. eyes and he's got this crazy, you know, Willem Dafoe no, stare that, going that, on. That's just his face. He right, right. But like, it, that's it, just it's, how he looks. But it captures like he's just, you know, ominous looking and so this opening scene's great and then it busts into madness the bikers start fighting people and they kidnap Ellen Aim and take off with her so Michael Prey's character Tom he used to date Ellen Aim and so his sister sends him like a telegram I mean again like it's so cool how <laughs> it's this nondescript time period where it's like you know they're using telegrams and there's not a lot of technology uh, but she wires him and says hey you got to come back home it's important and she says Ellen Aim Ellen's been kidnapped and you were close to her and of course he's like yeah we had a bad breakup uh, she wanted to pursue her music career and so she kind of dumped him 
like she didn't break up with him because of that, but she just was more invested in her music and he took offense to that, blah, blah, blah. She so, just broke off the relationship for it. Well, I, I don't think she broke it off, but she was spending all her time there. And so, of course, right. Tom got jealous and then he decided that he, you know, that wasn't for him. And so he kind of is the one that called it off. So they had a bad split. Um, did I even mention, I think maybe I did. Did I mention Rick Moranis is in this movie? Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, you Rick did. Moranis did. plays Ellen's <laughs> manager slash boyfriend in this movie. And he's just this total tool of a character that is, you know, acts like he's hot stuff. And, and you know, when Tom comes into the picture, he's not taking any of it. Um, <laughs> but these two actually butt heads. Oh, it's always funny to say that, you know, I feel like I'm Biff from Back to the Future. Yeah. But <laughs> these two with butt heads on set because from the moment that they were even like, I think doing their script read, Michael Perret was like, you know, Rick Moranis was doing his Rick Moranis thing. And like the first thing that he said to him is, is like, are you are you really this cool all the time or is this an act? Something like that to where Michael Perret was like, <laughs> what, like, what are we doing here? Um, and he was young and he didn't like he now realizes he, you know, he wasn't taking it right. Like this is a comedian doing his thing and he didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, so I think that kind of helped fuel the characters animosity in the film, which is really fun when they're, you know, laying it on each other and all that. But, but yeah, so the whole movie is like this kind of has this Western feel of it. So it's like, you know, Tom is this Tom Cody is this Western type gunslinger character who is like almost you think of like an unforgiven like Clint Eastwood. So Ellen Ames has been kidnapped and they hire him to go get her back. And, uh, you know, of course, he has that personal vested interest in it. And so he goes and gets a bunch of guns. Then he finds this uh, woman at the bar who's like an ex soldier. And so uh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like she and, and their interaction is total 80s action, like just ridiculous dialogue. But she's this tough ex-soldier and she like bill paxton is, is uh telling her to get out of the bar and she just like punches him and climbs over the <laughs> the bar grabs a bottle of tequila and she's like what are you having to drink and he's like i always was a tequila man or something like that <laughs> and they just leave with the bottle of tequila like ridiculous stuff like that so anyway he enlists her help and so uh he the the soldier and rick moranis all head to this uh bar which is like the home to this motorcycle gang so Walter Hill enlisted the help. Well, he hired 500 extras in this movie. 500 because again this town was all constructed on a set but it never feels like it's a ghost town. Like Anytime in this movie that they're standing around in the middle of a street, there are cars going by, there are these subway tracks above them, there are people walking around. I mean, they really did a great job of making this city feel lived in, uh, and, and and there's no green screen stuff going on. I mean, again, they built this massive set, and it looks great. Like, the style of this movie... I'm all for the dystopian weird future type movies and the amount of detail that they put into building this. I, I just, I love the feel of it. Just like, I know that we, I know that maybe it was Tom more so than Joe, but I know that we were kind of ragging on the Batman 89 sets. Like to me, that style, like I absolutely love when they can put that much detail and make it feel lived in like Gotham does. And 89 this, isn't, 89 isn't the issue. I don't, I don't think so. 91 is the issue. But uh, but anyway, so they 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 build this you know this massive world that they filmed in you know all on the stage. But but uh, yeah, it's it's this kick-ass action movie where they load up on guns and they go to this club uh, and they sneak in there. They get Ellen Ames out, and of course the motorcycle guys are not too happy with that plan. And so they they get into this ridiculous street fight. <laughs> if you've ever heard of um, Streets of Rage, the old 
arcade game, the yes. Sega Genesis game. And then I think Final Fight was another one that came out around the same time period. Those Correct. were both inspired. The aesthetics uh, were inspired by this film because they've got that motorcycle, uh, you know, 50s the, type I even, style. I, I think even the gal in Streets of Rage has a costume that's really similar to Diane Lane's. They, they might. I yeah, think it I mean, is. it's that those were like this movie was direct inspiration for the style of those games. And uh, so so they get into this ridiculous street brawl. And so to give you the idea of the action in this movie and why I think some people, if they were to watch it today, why it would kind of fall into deep fried taco territory like they run into some police off. Well, this is a little bit later, but just to give you an idea, they run into a group of police officers that are trying to blockade the road. And in order to, to escape and to keep them from following them, he shoots the cop cars and like he shoots them and they explode. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he shoots out the yeah. tires. He shoots the engine. It explodes. He shoots the back of the car and boom, it explodes. Everything explodes in this movie. Um, and so, you know, they get away that way. When they get Diane Lane back, they have this brawl with motorcycles and everything in the street. And I think Tom Cody is up on a rooftop and he has a shotgun. And I can't remember <laughs> if he has a rifle or a shotgun at this point. But there's a motorcycle driving and he shoots the motorcycle and it explodes. Right. Like, so like, it's, it's like he didn't he didn't shoot the gas tank. He just hit like the front tire. And even if and he did, explodes. I don't know that it would do that. Right. Like it's just it's ridiculous. But like I'm talking about you shoot a motorcycle, it explodes and then goes flying, yeah, you know, right, right. The back over the front end. So you have but there's a certain level of fun and excitement. And you have to realize much like Tom with Speed Racer, this movie is doing its own stylized thing. You're not supposed to you're not supposed to think this exists in, in real world physics. The movie again starts off saying a rock and roll fantasy, right? So he's combined Westerns fifties, uh, fantasy elements. Like this is all a very original concept that he's come up with. And so you could even almost look at it as Prince, the Prince coming to rescue the princess from, yeah, you know, like just in that fantasy aspect, like mm-hmm. it, that's kind of the story they're telling. Absolutely, they just add, they just add the ex-boyfriend element to it, but it, the 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 DNA of it is there. Absolutely, and so so you have to look at it as exactly how it sets up. It's not like they set out to do this serious real world movie, and then people found it and they're like, oh yeah, this is such a cheesy like B level. You know, it, you know, it's so bad, it's good type of thing. It's like no, they set out to make a dystopian. 50s rock and roll fantasy and they pull it off it's so much fun so you've got the great action sequences the great dialogue like you know the the witty banter i will call it but you know it's just that 80s macho guy uh dialogue and some great musical numbers like diane lane uh they show three or four different she can like, really sing though right it, it isn't her so oh, okay. the the band um it's Ellen Aim and the Attackers, and the Attackers in the movie are actually the band for the woman that sings. I, I can't recall oh, her name, okay, but okay. but Diane Lane is lip syncing. Um, but but uh, she she this pulls was her off. first movie, wasn't it? Yeah, I she, think she did, did some TV stuff when before. she was younger. It it's either her first movie or well, like her very close to first. But I know she had some television roles before this. Um, but yeah, she is eighteen. Uh, but man she she goes all in they wanted to hire i think the script called for someone that was in their mid to late 20s and diane lane comes in and they thought she was too young at first but when she auditioned like she had that confidence she had the the she she had the the confidence to come in and convince them that yes she's a rock and roll star and so yeah i mean she's awesome in the movie 
Um, and I'm thinking of somebody. I'm I'm thinking of somebody else because this is very much not her first movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I will say so, there is there Shout Factory is really. Good. I know I, I've talked about them before, but they are yeah. for. It's almost like they specialize in deep fried tacos. Um, yeah. Where they yeah. kind of get instead of being Criterion, they they put out some wonderfully done. Yeah. Uh, like you know, 1080 transfers. Fork the the new thing is the 4K transfers. Uh, and they've got a fantastic collector's edition of Streets of Fire. Yeah, that's what I that's what I bought. Uh, I was it's amazing. I had the DVD, and then I was so excited uh, when they came out with that Blu-ray. You know, I ordered mm-hmm. it, pre-ordered it when it was coming out. And uh, yeah, it's their Shout Selects is kind of yes, their Criterion that is their version. Criterion Tons editions. of stuff like uh, the Wizard came out recently, which yeah. is a oh yeah, a, which is another like childhood kind of you know like I wouldn't call the it a Savage great Brothers. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a great movie by any means, but I loved it growing up, uh, and it came out with this great uh, cover, which is that movie of course was all about nintendo and so the cover looks like all the characters but they're drawn in that nintendo pixel Mm -hmm. graphic Mm -hmm. Uh, so really cool artwork really cool special features they come out with so anyway they get lna's back but now the motorcycle gang is of course after them they have crazy action scenes it all uh comes down to a huge street fight where they're like you know, battling in the rain and uh, the motorcycle gang, they actually, among the 500 extras, they hired two real motorcycle clubs. So, like, the police come and they try to stop Willem Dafoe and his gang of, like, five or six bikers you see the whole time. And then all of a sudden, from around the corner, you see these motorcycle gangs pour in from either side. And, of course, then they're kind of standing up to the cops. Very similar to in, what is it, The Dark Knight Rises, where you yep. see, like, the cops versus the Baines gang and all that. So there's a huge street showdown which now that I think about it visually, very similar, may have taken some inspiration. Um, you know, and uh, Tom Cody ends up just in this fist fight with Willem Dafoe. Well, like they have, they have like axes. <laughs> they can do a fight. Because where, like, why not? Yeah, they're like wielding axes. I mean, it's it's crazy. But he ends up kicking the crap out of Willem Dafoe and saving the day and, you know, getting the girl. But then he decides that, like, you know, this life still isn't for him. So he, he pieces out of there and, and kind of leaves her with uh, Rick Moranis, which, I you know, she's, of course, <laughs> thinking, like, uh, maybe I chose the wrong person here. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a wonderful little action movie. Um, again, I never really thought of it as a deep fried taco, but it is very of the time. And so I think watching it with modern eyes, if this was your first viewing of it, you would definitely consider that way. Uh, but I recommend anybody who loves 80s action, check it out. And uh, Walter Hill, I mean, you got to give it to the Super guy. Super under. I was actually, so the the movies that the other guy did was True yeah. was true Crime with Clint Eastwood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he also did the remake of Rear Window with Christopher Reeve. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Walter Hill is like I was going through his stuff. I was like Last Man Standing, which is a good. I think that's a deep fried taco with mm-hmm. Bruce Willis. Yep, uh, that, that was the some, other one I knew Joe would love. The Last yeah, Man Standing. I love. Yeah. I love Last Man Standing. But they're all in that style, right? Like that, like kind of yeah. out of place. Like Last Man Standing is a '90s movie, but it looks like in like a gangster. Yeah. But it looks like a gangster movie, but it has that Western yes. feel to it. His Walter Hill loves to do those tough guy gunslinger type movies, but like all out of place, like out of their era. He definitely has an aesthetic. Yeah. He also directed episodes of like Tales from the Crypt mm-hmm. and Deadwood. So yeah. it's definitely, you know, he loves those those two different worlds, but he loves to kind of mush them together. This movie was all over MTV when it came out. I oh, remember. Really? I mean, I'm, oh, was so it? I was like, like probably like fifteen when this movie came out. Right, what came out in eighty five? Uh, uh, was it eighty five? I thought it was earlier than that. Maybe eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. So that's close. Oh no, yeah. And uh, 
um, so I'd have been 14, 13, 14 when it came out. And uh, it, this thing was all over MTV and I Can Dream About You, the Dan Hartman song. That was the big hit. It was pushed everywhere. And the soundtrack, the soundtrack is interesting because uh, you've got uh, a lot of the artists, for the most part, are unknown. I think the only name on here that anyone might re- actually recognize is The Fix um, hmm. oh. or Dan Hartman, only if you know if you know Dan Hartman, it's probably from the song I Can Dream About You, although he had a couple other like mm. mid-tier hits. But like, but where it's interesting is when you look at the people who wrote the songs. Right. So, uh, so Nowhere Fast and Tonight Is What It Means To Be Young were written by Jim Steinman, who is the guy who wrote all of Meatloaf's biggest hits. Uh-huh. So yeah. he wrote Two Out Of Three Ain't Bad. Everything off that for, off Bad Out Of Hell was written by Jim Steinman. Yeah. And uh, and then Sorcerer is written by Stevie Nicks, mm-hmm. even though it's not sung by her. It was written by her. And so and the, here's where I think it gets really interesting. Uh, Countdown to Love is written by Kenny Vance, who was in uh, a big band in the like late 50s, early 60s called Jay and the Americans. So mm-hmm. like in the middle of all, like <laughs> Jim Steinman, Stevie Nicks, The Fix, you've got a Kenny Vance song, and then One Bad Stud is is written by Lieber and Stoller, who wrote, like, Hound Dog and Kansas City, you know, like, songs from that era, like, and they're, like, huge songwriters. And then you get Never Never Be You, co- co-written by Tom Petty. It's right? Cra- right. It's, like, so, this, it's, it's, it's just all over the place. But I think, I feel like that's kind of Walter Hill's style, right? Like, he, he just kind of picks different aspects from different generations and kind of fits them into his mold. And I feel like that's exactly what he's doing with that music too. Yeah. And I mean, he's pulling out the big guns. I mean, even though they didn't perform them, look at the writing credits on these songs. I mean, they, they wanted, and he, he thought of this movie as a musical again. So even though they're not singing, but the movie is very much driven by the music. And I have the vinyl album to this. It's a great soundtrack. Like if you if you yeah. love this, if you watch it and you love this movie, these songs will become iconic. They will get stuck in your head. And so I got the vinyl. I love that again. That opening scene, nowhere fast plays where uh, Ellen Aim is is coming out with her band, and then she gets kidnapped. It is an awesome, high energy, electric song to to open a movie to. Uh, it's edited the way that it's cut to the music is so good. And then with Willem Dafoe coming out in the gang, it's very, um, very creepy and very ominous and uh, sets up the action very well. So it's a great soundtrack. Uh, great, great people involved there. And then the, the, the way it got the title, I don't know if you guys know this, um, but if streets of fire sounds familiar, anyone know uh, another title of a song called streets of fire? No, you've never heard of streets Not off the top of my head. It's a uh, Springsteen. I was say it's. I was gonna say yeah. it sounds like a Springsteen <laughs> yeah. thing. I was never a big Springsteen. Guy, okay, so. so so Springsteen had the song "Streets of Fire," and they were supposed to. It was supposed to be like the big, you know, title song, and uh, Springsteen signed on for it, and then they told him that he wasn't gonna sing, <laughs> and so he's like, "Oh, uh, nope," <laughs> and so. Pulled? And pulled the, did he pull the song? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so clearly because uh, it's not on the song, yeah, right? right. Yeah. So it's like so they that's where they got the title from, and I mean it's a great title and and goes perfectly with the movie. And uh, so you know Springsteen was supposed to be on here with that song. Um, I think it worked out okay because again they have a great soundtrack. But uh, yeah, little little known fact there. So that's how they came up with it. But yeah, I would 
I would check it out. I love this movie, and I I had to defend its honor uh, going into this <laughs> because you know I couldn't believe these guys were dogging out. Like when I saw binge movies had that lineup, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so excited, and they're like, oh yeah, terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just I think they came. If you go listen to that episode, and, and you know, it's always great to get differing opinions and go check it out, especially but, wrong ones. <laughs> yeah, right. So you can understand how right we are, but. I think they're coming at it from the wrong viewpoint, right? Because it was very much of its time and it's a very stylized movie and a vision from a visionary director, Walter Hill doing what he does best. And so you can't look at this movie as trying to be something else other than what it was set out to be. And when you understand that he was trying to make a rock and roll fairy tale musical, you know, fifties nondescript style dystopian. Like <laughs> this vision is so original and he's mashing all these things together. You've got to understand how it was developed. And I'm not trying to knock them and say like, Oh, you know, their opinions don't matter, whatever. But what I'm saying is that I think you have to approach it from the right perspective, right? Because I don't think either of them had maybe ever seen it. And so if you're just turning it on without, understanding the development or the type of movies Walter Hill makes. I think you could, you could easily turn this on and be like, what the hell? This is a weird, messy movie. And it is weird, (laughs) but I I, I think it was fully intended to be weird and be like this. Um, So it's a lot of fun. And I would say for any of our listeners that haven't seen it, if you're, if you want to just, you know, check out and watch some fun eighties action and see a lot of big name actors that you know, this is the movie for you. That was a good call. Yeah, there are some movies that are like that that are so stylized that, like, you if if you don't kind of like start to take it on its own level, you know what I mean? They're, yeah, that mm-hmm. you you're just mm-hmm. gonna be left behind, and mm-hmm. sometimes you can get on. And I mean, I've seen movies like that where I'm like, I get what they're doing; it's just not for me. But like, um, but yeah, like if if you can't kind of get on their wavelength, it you know you're not gonna. You're not gonna. I don't want to say get it like you don't understand it, but you're not gonna enjoy it. And yeah, well, it's, it's like undermining. It's like, like, like you your... said about Speed Racer. Like you just yeah. have to if, right. Once you, get, exactly. once you let that like, go, and once you realize what this yeah. is, it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. I it's it, it's uh there are certain movies that um I'm thinking like have you guys ever seen this is another kind of musicalish movie, but it reminded me of this same genre, uh, Repo, the genetic opera. I have. Okay, so like I've not. That has a very strange. It's a you know, weird. That's a, a. I don't like that movie. That's a weird movie that I just could not get into. I know a lot of people love it though. Like right, you but know. but that is also like it has kind of some of the similar visuals. It's a very aesthetically yeah. uh, in kind of in this world, but it's also a musical type movie. But it's also very horror weird because they're it's like body parts, like they're repossessing right. body parts, right? Like it's uh, the aren't they repo? Repo men is that for, right, or are you thinking of the? Jude I thought it was Law like movie. it was or like I thought it was. I think there's another movie that did something similar, but it's. But I thought it was like like if you got a kidney and then you couldn't afford it, they would come yeah. take it back. Yeah, so isn't like there a Jude Law movie that's the exact same thing? There, there, it's a there, similar. There was another movie that came out n- yeah. not long after it that that worked on a very similar premise, but not in in as in as weird or got unique. Or way. Right. So, but it's similar. Like in this world, yeah, they have these genetic these body parts and then it's like they repossess them if you can't pay for them and so it's very strange but you have this horror musical weird element and so but if you're not on board like if you're not putting that movie in and being like okay i'm gonna watch some weird unique stuff right (laughs) you gotta be on board and i get it it's not (laughs) we're not undermining like intelligence or their opinions 
it's just saying that anybody like it sometimes you're just not in the mood it's kind of like if you're um not in the mood to watch a serious movie like if you're like schindler's list great movie you may not always be in the mood to watch schindler's list right but you wouldn't I be. I hope you're not I, always yeah. in the mood to watch. Schindler's I mean, list. I don't think I'm ever in a mood to watch Schindler's List. But you're not going to yeah. go. Schindler's List is bad. Totally. But you may right. not want. But sure, you may sure, not sure. want to watch yeah. it. Right. Uh, um, Requiem for a Dream. Very good movie. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and less heavy material, but like the Seth Rogen movie, Observe and Report. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the first, a, that's another I, like, that's I was a about, weird one. Yeah, I was about twenty minutes into that movie before I realized like. Oh, it's not a regular Seth Rogen mm-hmm. comedy. It's a dark, like pitch black comedy. Yeah, right. And right. And, and, the, and once I realized that, like, oh, because at first I spent the first you know twenty minutes like this is creepy. Like I don't. And then it was like, oh, it means to be creepy. Like it's cable, it's cable that, guy. That's yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm on your wavelength. And then I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But like, if I hadn't. If I hadn't kind of adjusted on the fly to what they were doing, because at first I was just like, "This isn't what I want from a Seth Rogen movie." Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and and then when I real like again, once I realized what they were going for, then I was like, "Oh, okay." It it I didn't realize I wanted this from a Seth Rogen movie, and I enjoyed it. But but there was that first twenty minutes where I you know on my initial viewing where I was just like, "What are we doing?" And even more recently, yeah. Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. Think about oh. it. People, yeah, I don't know. Like the people that watch Uncut Gems that were are surprised it's not an Adam Sandler movie. I'm like, they're just not paying attention. Like that, that nothing about that movie was built. Like when when Observe and Report came out, like Seth Rogen was like the hot new thing, mm-hmm. and like he was making a certain brand of comedy, and they kind of in the commercials imaged it that way. Mm-hmm. And so when you get in there and you're just like, what are we doing? Where I feel like with Uncut Gems, they didn't do anything to image that as an a traditional no, Adam Sandler I, and I, movie. I get not in an advertising sense, but there were a lot of people that didn't like it, and I I don't think they did the research, and they just walked in expecting like, yeah, oh, that's it's, <laughs> Hubie Halloween or whatever. To me, that's just them not knowing. You know what I mean? Like, there's a yeah. difference between sure. between like being misled, and because I really don't think like that movie's very stylized. Don't, don't get me wrong, but like, but I don't feel like that movie did anything like. And this sounds like an insult, but I don't feel like he did anything all that crazy in terms of like, like of of like, I don't know, just coming at you with something really different and off kilter. Like it was really well done and it had this very manic energy that would ramp up the tension and it was done really well. But like, I don't think it was so off the beaten track from a style standpoint that you that it that you'd be like, what are you doing if it unless you th- you went to it as I like Adam Sandler. I and I think and Sand- just didn't do any research before. That's you the problem. I, mean? I think that's that's the thing is that I Sandler has become a brand, right? Sure. So absolutely. Sandler has he's he's grown out of being an actor and he is now an entity, a brand. Uh, he's his own advertising. So people go and yeah, and unfortunately he's pigeonholed himself into this dumb comedy thing. And I mean I know he's making lots but of I money. S- not unfortunately, I still for him. blame the viewer. I still yeah. blame the viewer. This isn't the first time Sandler's done a non-Sandler movie, oh, right? Totally. I mean, I mean, you've got Punch Drunk Love, and you've got that awful Spanglish one. That, and... No, it, the that, Don Cheadle movie. Was that off? Oh, uh, the I was thinking of the one the that was it. Jason Reitman directed the the. Man oh, what is Earth that or one? Something like that. Um, what was that movie with uh, something with me? Uh, Don Cheadle and Adam Sandler, right? What was that? Yeah, I think that one was okay. But, like, my larger point is he's made a lot of movies like this at this point. Rain Over Me. You know what I mean? So, 
Yeah, and uh, um, but what was the Jason Reitman one? But From yeah, I I, I you're right. It's definitely false. Men, women, and children. That's what it was oh. called. Oh, I never and, saw that because uh, I was not. Yeah. It was bad. It was really, really bad. I will tell and, you um, what. But that I'm glad. Jason Reitman is back on the right path because I was a huge totally. Jason Reitman. I mean, I still am. I really think he's a great filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, obviously with Juno, but he had a couple air, of turds in there. Thank you for smoking yeah. those first three though. Talk about a director coming mm-hmm. out of the gate. I mean, yeah, swinging totally. Um, but when yeah. he made those, you know, le- it was like was Aloha it Labor that? Day. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> but no, he's yeah. he's back. He's back, and and I'm glad. I'm excited for Ghostbusters. I think it could be yeah. fun. Yeah, we'll find out in 2022. But anyway, Adam Sandler has has done has gone off the non Sandler train a lot. And if if you're a Sandler fan and 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 you haven't stumbled across one of those other ones to know that that might be a thing, like mm-hmm. the Cobbler. There's another. Yeah. He's made like eight or nine movies like this at this point. So <laughs> that's on them. I don't feel bad yeah. at all. But uh, well, anyway, I guess uh, that's it for this one. Let's go around the table, and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S 21. Also, you can tune in to Binge Movies, since I wasn't oh, on, are we? The, on the are last we? episode, uh, that I was <laughs> on I was on their season finale. Uh, I had to do a showdown with the host, Jason. Uh, one movie got sent to the vault. Everything else got kicked out of the vault. So tune into <laughs> them. It was a good episode. I, oh, I, I see did. how it is. So you were, you were, your daughter was sick for our no, episode. No, no, no. And did, you ended I up did. on the finale of binge movies. <laughs> no, I recorded that thing like <laughs> nice. a month ago. Uh, Aren't you but, still recording your Marvel episode? I, yeah, our Marvel episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I threw their whole show into uh, turmoil by eliminating a certain movie. So, oh yeah. Awesome. Sorry. I know we're close to the end, but I really have to pee. Oh, <laughs> So uh, what have you been watching, Joe? Uh, so I haven't started The Mandalorian yet. I watched the I've first kinda, episode. I've been kind of waiting to, to build those up because what I do with the first season. I know. I, I hate weekly. I mean, I know Brad Hyatt. It's tough. Like, Brad Hyatt knows this. Do I hate this. weekly? Or, but, but I get it. I Here's the deal. So you get really excited for a show. Mandalorian is a show that I really am excited to watch. The first season was great, right? Yeah. And so you get really excited and you wait a whole week. And you either get a really good episode or you might get an okay episode. Right. And so what happens when you Friday it's dropped, you rush to go watch it and it's just okay. And then you go, I've got seven days to wait. Seven days. It's the worst. So when you binge shows and you get through a just okay episode, you're like, all right, on to the next one. And so there's so much backlog. I totally get it. There's so much backlog of stuff. Like I haven't even watched season three of Ozark yet, which I know what is six months ago or whatever. Yeah. So. I'm like, well, I could just binge season three of Ozark. I can binge Bates Motel, which I'm really enjoying. I'm on season two oh, of Bates good. I'm Motel. I'm glad you're liking it. Awesome. I love ba- Bates Motel. is awesome. So thank you good. to our Psycho uh, Marathon because it got me into it. But it's so hard with that much backlog of stuff to then go to a show and wait for a week and watch one episode and then wait another week. It's like, I'll just binge all this stuff. And then, <laughs> hey, what do you know? It's been eight weeks. All the episodes are out. And, I got eight, but, and they're only half hour too, right? Like, so it's, yeah, know. they're pretty quick. So I don't yeah. know. I'm just, it's, I wish that, uh, especially with the, um, non-commercial based i mean i know they're selling subscriptions but with the stuff like disney and prime video where there's no commercial breaks it's like don't don't do weekly come on just drop them all on just, us. just give me just give me them all so anyway i think the newer platforms they just don't have enough content where yeah. netflix is throwing so much stuff at you they can do that True. but with amazon prime or hulu like they, they just don't have as many shows and so they 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 want to 
stringing along, uh, that's what which is mean? still frustrating. I'm the same way. Like I'll wait, and I'm like I'll wait until there's it's so done. much to Lovecraft w- country, country. Heard good things. Let me know when it's over. It's well, over. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, I mean, okay. and I was doing week to week, and I really enjoyed it, and I kind of fell behind, and now I can just binge them all. Um, but another show, so Lovecraft Country. If you want recommendations, Lovecraft. Craft so Country, good. I'm not done with yet, but it is really, really good. Uh, yes. The Boys, if you have not watched The Boys yet, holy... Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> oh, my so gosh, that's fantastic. But I have all the comics, well. so I'm very grateful to Amazon. You should be, because they are spiking. So this is yeah. what's great that I've read. I haven't read the comics, but I've done some research after watching the show. And so the the comics, there's so many timely things that... They are able to pull from the comics, which were written, what, 10, 20 years ago or whatever? No, like, I, yeah, I think about 10. 10 years ago. Okay, yeah. so there are yeah. so many timely things that they wrote in the comics that they will pull into the episodes. But then they also change things a lot. But they, they also have, yeah. but they also change things that are just as good, if not better. Like, it's hard to do with good source material, but they change them so much. But it's also, like, it's true to the comics, but they're also different. And so, anyway... The Boys is excellent. If you are, especially if you are sick of like Marvel, DC, <laughs> oh buddy, <laughs> big budget superhero stuff. This is so the anti like counter programming of superheroes to that stuff. So I know there's uh-huh. a lot of people out there that are just like so over the you know the manufactured big. There's box. a some somebody posted a picture of Kingdom Come Superman holding uh, the kid from uh, Brightburn. Yeah. And Homelander, yeah. like up by their the scruffs of their neck, and like the caption is like, "I feel somewhat responsible for both of these two. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, watch watch those shows. Um, they're I definitely they're very good. And I'm binging Bates Motel. Like I said, that's if you missed so that, it's a, it's a it's a great show, very good show. But uh, this is Kevin, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R Bracket. Is it the first time we've done a tangent and where to find us? Yes. Yes. Well, we had to make up time for somebody who had to go pee. Well, I was trying to make it to the end, and then you went off on a tangent <laughs> in the where to find us. <laughs> what do they call that when you're, so when you're just, just uh, filling time? What's the word the for tan- that? Oh, no, when you're... Killing time? Stretching? Vape. Va- vamp. Vamping. Vamp. Vamp. Yep. Vamp. Okay. So, Ed, this is Tom. You can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online at uh, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and, of course, check out our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. And uh, I guess that's it for this one. Next week, we will, uh, we're actually playing episodes out of order for production reasons. So when Joe referenced that he wasn't here last week, he oh, actually sorry. won't be here next I week. I won't be here next week. That's okay. <laughs> But well, we but then so that now we don't have to edit all the references to how it's we recorded the day after Halloween. So there that's cool too. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to tackle uh, save yourselves. So uh, there's your homework assignment. If you, you can rent it for like six bucks, it's not bad. So uh, anyway, that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, you've been warned. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we already. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.